Welcome to Conspiracy Dimensions, everyone. Joining me, as always, is my partners, Bebo and Ralph. This week, we're trying to keep current. And as most of everyone's heard on the news, there's been quite a few air, airline accidents it, going on around the world. A little bit focused on Boeing, but we're going to get into those. And the topic here is going to be what the hell is actually going on? What are we not being told? And Ralph has a couple of headlines for us. He's going to start us out. And go ahead, Ralph. What do you have for us this week? This week is going to be a new special. I uh, checked about Boeing, Boeing incidents in the last four weeks. Uh, and I found some, I found more that I can do, otherwise the first half of, of the show would be filled. Uh, if people want to know a little bit about it, there's a webpage called the Foundation for Aviation Safety. If you uh, Google this page, they list uh, all Boeing incidents of uh, US-based airlines since 2020, and at the moment they've got 1,868 incidents. Holy shit, just since 2020. Since 2020. So I picked five of uh, what happened so far this year, so to say. Uh, let's start with uh, Boeing 737 at the beginning of the year. Uh, Boeing uh, called all the airlines uh, using this uh, plane to check their steering system because maybe there's a bolt missing. On all the 737s? Yeah. They're, they cannot be sure if it's just the 8, uh, MAX 8. So they said check all the 737 MAX. Better safe than sorry. <laughs> but, but this is Fuck. insane, no. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, there, maybe there's a bolt missing. Yes. <laughs> who, who needs steering? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and uh, another one was uh, in Japan uh, after the start of a 737, the window in the cockpit cracked. So they had oh. to fly back. <laughs> it just cracked. It did not break completely because otherwise this would have been fatal yeah imagine how scary that is though <laughs> do you yeah, remember this is, this, uh, <clears throat> like as a pilot you sit there and you hope like oh okay another 20 minutes and then then we are safe and <laughs> another 15 minutes <laughs> i think you're, you're really counting down the seconds in in such a situation yeah do you remember that british airlines flight <clears throat> some mechanics changed out the uh, the windscreen they used the wrong bolts and it blew the windscreen out and the pilot was um, hanging out the window and a guy oh, inside the, a guy inside the cockpit was holding his legs. It was a, like a 747 or something. It was a big plane. And um, his head's just slapping outside in the breeze and he near on froze to death. And anyway, he survived. But, yeah, horrific. Yeah, it's a <clears> typical <throat> bowling. <laughs> and then uh, on a United flight, uh, flight uh, to Florida... Uh, an airplane had to emergency land in Miami because um, there were problems with the door in the cockpit and uh, alert went off uh, showing that one of the doors are not closed completely. Uh, <coughs> Boeing. And not only doors, on the 757, from the state of Georgia to uh, Colombia, on the runway in Georgia at the airport, the Boeing 757 lost a wheel on the front. <laughs> on the way out? On a takeoff? On, on the runway when they wanted to take off. So as it was just one of those two wheels, um, the pilot did not realize it, as you cannot see it, but another pilot in another airplane saw it and in in the last second he was uh, telling the tower, like, guys, stop this plane, <laughs> there's oh, a wheel missing. <laughs> like, if you hear all of this, it's like Bevo said, it, you don't want to fly anymore, at least not with Boeing. This is, <clears throat> And then there's a cargo plane, uh, uh, um, a 747 
which had to emergency land in Miami because one of their um, engines started to burn, catch fire. Shit. So now these are mostly Boeing. I'm curious because the 737, some of those have been uh, in use for a while. Is there like a time where they decommission these planes and say there's just too many flight hours on it and we're not going to use it anymore? Yeah, I can get into that a bit later. New one, it's been around for a long, long time. <clears throat> yeah, I guess we talk about maintenance circles and such stuff. And as I'm finished, I, I will hand you over to Captain Bevo, who's <laughs> yeah. our pilot tonight. Yeah, thanks, thanks for the news, Ralph. Um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a, a litany of... Um, things that have gone wrong with Boeing planes over the years and I'm probably just going to mainly pick on the 737 uh, MAX in this to give an example but the, it, the, the problems that I have sort of can see and have been following are they're systemic and so it's it's not just the 737 it, it encompasses you know the, the, the 800 series the Dreamliner um, the 757s, the 767s, um, <clears throat> it encompasses all of them. But, it, you know, we're only here for a shorter time. So um, I sort of keep it com um, back to the 737 and particularly the Maxes um, because it's the most recent sort of disaster that's hitting them. So just to give you... Now, Bevo, <coughs> do you have... Uh do you have a um, how many? Do you have an idea how many different models of the seven three seven are there? Because you said the Max specifically. How many other kinds of them are there? Do you know offhand? I wasn't sure. I never looked that up. Yeah, I don't actually know how many iterations I've had, but <clears throat> the seven three seven first flew in April in nineteen sixty seven. So it's been a fuselage that they have used for. Uh, 56 years and you know I'm a 56 I'm a 67 model and I don't work as well as what I used to so you know I think it's probably about time we, we retired them or retired that technology but uh, basically um, you know you, you have your basic fuselage and your wings and then as each iteration comes, they just add different electronics or different engines um, and modify them slightly and then just give it a new number. I, check, I, I checked it up, 22 uh, variations since the 60s. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's very, very old technology. And it's, a, it's an industry, you know, as we all, probably all understand, that is um, very competitive and you need to have efficient, aircraft and it's one of the reasons why airlines you know turn their aircraft over it's not so much that they get to the end of their service life it all becomes about the dollar they they can get more efficient um, aircraft so it's all about the, the bottom line so they usually pass on their aircraft um, before their cycles are done you know like there's, there's only so many um, takeoffs and landings that a plane can do it's just mechanical um, those wings are flexing all the time it's just they can only go up and down so many times you know the hull's being pressurized depressurized at a constant um, sort of on a daily basis many many times a day and eventually they just wear out um, be oh, before I go like an example of that does anyone remember the Aloha Airlines where the the, the top of the fuselage got ripped off and they sucked out a yes yeah yes well, um, you know, that again was just, that was a short haul plane, just island hopping in a way, and it had done too many ups and downs, um, as opposed to a normal sort of plane that's doing more long haul flights. And also then the weather system, or the weather, you know, got in there and it, it corroded and just ripped it apart. But that guy did, an, and Gal did an amazing job to get that plane on the ground. So kudos to them. But, <clears throat> you know, it, it, there's so many things that can go wrong, hey? But basically, let's get back to the 737. Um, in 2011, um, or around that time, Boeing was actually going to, to, to do a new platform. They were going to retire the 737 and start like a brand new um, platform, brand new fuselage, ground up. Let's get this be the most you know technologically advanced um, aircraft in the world, blah, 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 blah. 
And about that time, um, Airbus, who was the European competitor to Boeing, came out and with the A320, uh, a new <coughs> version of that, and signed a deal with American Airlines for 200 airframes. And so Boeing's gone into meltdown and, and said, you know, because they can't, you, to build an aircraft from the ground up takes many, 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 many years. And so they have got nothing to offer <coughs> American Airlines. The, 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 the thing was that this uh, 320neo yeah. uh, was super fuel efficient. Yes, and, that's and correct. And Boeing could not compete. Yeah, so they can't compete. They didn't have anything on the books. So what Boeing did was they went to American Airlines and said, well, if we change out the engines on this uh, 737, um, we'll give you a competitive aircraft if, if you can guarantee us 100 of those um, frames. And so American Airlines did. They said, okay, you do that and we'll buy 100 from them and 100 Airbuses. So then Boeing has, is under the, uh, the pump in 2011 to come up with this brand new um, revamped aircraft in in double time um, to rival the A320 and one of the main things they did was changed the engines and this is where um, it, it it was one of the causes of what the the MCAS system, the two planes that went down, the Lion airplane and and the um, in Indonesia and then the one in uh, Ethiopia. But basically, what what they did was they marketed this plane also as that the iterations that or this iteration wouldn't require retraining of the pilot, so that would save the um, airlines a, a huge amount of money because they don't have to retrain the pilots. <clears throat> And the yeah. only, yep, okay. Like you said, the main problem was the engine because uh, they were higher, so they had to be uh, built uh, uh, attached to the front of the wings. That's correct. And 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 the whole uh, wheel system had to be higher as well that that it fits. So uh, the problem was that the plane could easily stall uh, when it went up because of the attachment of the, of the engine and and then they use this MCAS. that's correct I was, i'll actually get into that in a bit in a, <clears throat> in a second there ralph but the um they market i'll get back to they marketed the plane you know that the pilots wouldn't have to do it so and and to get that through the faa when you change a model of and this is very very pivotal to this whole thing to the 737 max disasters when you want to change a plane's um model if it breaks certain criteria then you have to force your um pilots to go back and be retrained on that aircraft because it's changed too much if you don't change and meet that criteria, you can just do a, a, an upgrade. And in fact, this, this is disgusting. The 737 MAX, the only thing that the pilots needed to do to go from the old variation to this new variation was an iPad tutorial that went for 56 minutes. <laughs> yeah, this was a joke. That's fucking ridiculous. And they, they internally, they, they were talking about this uh, MCAS system Yes, but but to the FAA they said it's uh, uh, I think speed trimming or something. They covered it under a system which uh, already existed, so they did not have to like Bevo said to resend all the pilots to uh, do <coughs> simulations again, uh, which costs. Yeah. Yeah. So as Ralph was saying, when when they redesign this aircraft, they're both basically sticking uh, lipstick on a pig. Yeah. And the engines threw the plane um, out of out of its aerodynamics out the window, and it wanted to climb and thus stall. And for the people that don't understand what the term stall means in aviation terms, basically, it means that the plane has got no no longer got lift, and like air flows over the wings, and you get a low pressure and a high pressure, and that causes your lift. And when you stall. That means that you no longer have that pressure differential and therefore have no lift and literally the plane becomes a rock and falls. It plummets like a stone. So the way that you overcome that is you put your nose down and gather up speed so you can get the airflow above 
uh, across your wings, creating lift, and you recover from the stall. So because they had this aerodynamic um, mismatch, these things were could could actually stall. So the MCAS system was there to automatically take over if the system detected a stall, which then uh, which um, pushed the nose down, gathered speed, etc. But what they did was, you know, in in um, aircraft, the the systems have a, a, a shitload of redundancy, as you would hope. Like, and that by, the, by that I mean they have more than one system to take care of to take care of something. It's like having two fuel gauges, for example. You don't just have one fuel gauge; you have two independent fuel gauges, as a really basic example. So, what they did with the MCAS system, they only put one sensor um, on the front of the plane to detect this stalling and and the reason was and it was a decision made by Boeing and there's been some leaks um, that it was a decision made on purpose and that is if they'd actually used two two sensors it then put the um, re-clarification of that aircraft into the realms of all the pilots happening to go back for training so they only put one one sensor and this is a this is a really really important um thing stalling planes is is a major issue because they crash and they've you know so there's the first thing they've only used one um one sensor and in the case of those two planes that crashed the sensors failed and then so what that means is the sensor failed it it thought the aircraft was stalling and the mcas system works in a five second ten second cycle and that is it's it's on five seconds off off for ten and because the sensor was broken, it, it pushed the nose down, um, picked up speed, then it would turn off so the pilots could recover. And it would, re- it would turn off for 10 seconds, then it would turn on for another five seconds. And because the sensor's faulty, it would just, again, point the nose down and pick up speed. So as you can imagine, it's just like stepping down. The pilot couldn't regain the altitude with each succession of the um, MCAS being engaged and eventually they just hit the ground. And... The, the, what also came out about the 737-8 um, MAX in that regard, the MCAS system, it was nowhere in any of the documentation. The pilots were totally unaware that this system even existed on the plane. Um, yeah, because we, otherwise they would have needed extra training. Yeah, it all gets back to that, so to save dollars. So And the, real, the, 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 the thing which uh, shocked me the most is that uh, manually steering... Uh, cannot override MCAS. MCAS overrides manually steering. How can uh, the computer have more or a system have more uh, uh, rights in the steering system than the pilot itself himself? Yeah, it needs to be a master override switch, doesn't there? Um, You know, also, Bevo, I wanted to ask you, with the single sensor on the front of the plane like that, is... Was that also in like was that a uh, a violation of a build code? Like, <clears throat> does it does it is there a, a code that says if you produce this kind of plane with that you know system on it that there has to be two sensors? Were they in violation there, or was this just no code for that? Uh, um, I think that's still a bit grey. Um, that's can, all gone can, through the courts, but. I would say yes, but I don't think they've come to a decision on that. Um, there were there, there were two sensors. The the problem was that the Boeing engineers, out of convenience, said like, "Oh, it's enough. We connect just one sensor to the MCAS system." Yeah, <laughs> it would not have happened if they would have. Uh, uh, took the more complex wiring and, and connect both sensors. Yeah. The redundancy, if the redundancy was used, then all good, but it wasn't because then, as we said, the pilots have got to go back for training. The airlines would go, well, that's a shit coin. Um, that's going to cost us too much money. We're not doing that. So, yeah. it. Um, and, uh, I mean, and how sickening as it is from um, Boeing, the initial, um, when, the, when the first one crashed um, in Indonesia, they initially blamed the pilots, um, you know, that's what they always do in such that a situation. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's it's no secret within the um, <clears throat> within the industry that some of these airlines, like Lion Air, had substandard pilots, so it was an easy scapegoat. Um, you know, though some of these smaller airlines and what have you have had bad safety records, and they happen to be one of those airlines, so it was very easy to point the finger. 
but after but, the second. But, yeah. but look at Tesla. If something happens uh, uh, with the autopilot, it's always the driver. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's a basic uh, understanding of the 737 and then the 737-8 MAX that had the MCAS system failures. And now that plane, or those aircraft spent, uh, I think, in excess of 18 months grounded until the FAA um, had done what they had to do to make sure everything was safe and Boeing convinced the FAA that everything was all right with the 737 um, MAX. But uh, alas, it wasn't and isn't. And I don't believe ever will be, but... um, then we then just in the last couple of weeks uh, i think it was january 5 from memory um we had the alaskan air flight uh, 1282 from portland there where uh, a door flies off so (laughs) yeah pretty pretty horrific i mean this this uh plane had just taken off they're at 14,800 feet, doing 440 miles an hour, which is about 700 k's, and then bang, explosive decompression. Um, and but they had they had luck in this situation. Imagine it would have happened when they had their uh, travel height, like like in in the the the, the, the <laughs> difference between the pressure inside the airplane and outside the airplane as it happens after the start, like right after the start, was not so big if it would have happened like in 10,000 meter, meters, which uh, I don't know, it's, it's in Europe they fly on this height, I guess in the United States as well, it should be 30,000 feet, I don't know. 30 to 40, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and in, if it would have happened in this height, uh, this would have ended in a crash. Yeah, it could have blown the whole side of the plane out. Yeah, it's uh, expl- yeah. they don't call it an explosive decompression for nothing. Yeah, um, there's a reason they do that. Um, but I don't know. Have you ever been cruising down the autobahn there, Ralph? Doing you know 100 mile an hour and stick your head out the window? It just about takes it off, dude. Imagine doing that at four or five or six or seven or eight, 900 you know miles an hour. It's uh, um, pretty pretty scary. Those poor people had to sit in that plane for the 10 or 20 minutes it took them to to get the plane back on the ground man i mean you'd be shitting yourself uh, terrible absolutely terrible um, yeah, and then it was boring uh, too because a lot of the phones were flying out of the hole at the moment because they were not in their seats yeah <laughs> yeah and imagine those uh those people that didn't if they didn't have the seatbelt on could have been sucked out the plane i mean yes and and the, the lucky that no one was sitting next to this door yeah i wonder if they're still getting a premium for the exit row seats ralph what do you think it <laughs> did <laughs> uh, be doing all you can not to sit next to it um anyway what what i'll give you a bit of uh technical background on the on the door because it, it leads into um, where the investigations and that are going. But so basically, you, as we all been on planes, we know you have these doors and <clears throat> they generally open inward. And the reason they open inward is that when you've pressurised the cabin, it, it's, you know, keeping the door shut. It's, it's like another safety mechanism. Um, and you don't get some idiot on the inside trying to open your door and killing everyone as well, I guess. And now... The 737 MAX 9 has five exits on each side, and depending on what that aircraft's rated for, as in how many seats or passengers it's carrying, is, is depends on how many of these doors they have to have actual doors on. In this configuration that Alaskan were using it, they didn't require to have that aft exit um, with actu- as actually an exit, so they use what they call a plug door. So from the inside of the plane, you wouldn't even know that there's a door there. It's just your normal... Um, side of the plane even though the the <coughs> it would have it's still designated as an exit row there's actually no door there that you can see and basically what happens is you have this uh fake door and it's got uh a hinge on two hinges on the bottom and and imagine like two hooks on the top and then these these hinges on the bottom have got some springs on them as well and they push the door up against the the fuselage and they push it in and then they they um push it down <clears throat> and that the 
when they push it down, the two hooks on the top go over a couple of lugs. And so you can imagine it's it's hooked in there now. And then also when that pushes it down that couple of inches, there's what they call stop pads um, to stop the door going out or getting blown out. And so when you've got the pressure on the from inside the cabin, it, it pushes the door against these stop pads as well. So it's like a double safety thing. But the thing is with these <coughs> four hooks, there's uh, a, cotter, a, a bolt with a cotter pin um, in these in these hooks and these uh, hinges at the bottom to stop them to stop them moving and come out. So there's physically no way that door can ride up and then blow out. And the a cotter pin, if you don't understand what that is, imagine a, just a, a bolt with a nut on it. They drill a hole through the nut and the bolt, and they stick like a, a hairpin through it, and then splay the other one side of it, and then the the nut can't undo. Um, and on the hinge, it went actually went right through the the mechanism, and on the top, it just stopped the actual lug from moving. But the, anyway, this door has blown out. So what's happened is that they um, they found the door, like it didn't land on someone's head, but can believe that they actually recovered the door. Um, there was no pins, uh, uh, there was no bolts holding these pins in. So um, Boeing have let this aircraft into service and nobody has bothered to put the the actual bolts in the door so um they'd only actually taken delivery of this plane in october um so it was a brand new plane and so it had been flying since october um so you know it was only a matter of time before it worked itself loose and then and then blew out um now how so that was the issue on that one and this is a a newer model of this comparatively so i'm guessing they're checking on the rest of them now to see if that's an issue with the rest that came off the line right yes uh, and, and i read something about i think it was delta they found uh, on five of their planes that the bolts were loose at those doors holy shit man yeah, and, and not only that, what they've also found, so you got these four bolts and they're about, well, I don't know, four inches long, just four bolts, man, with a, with a, with a nut on it. Uh, <clears throat> but then those, those hinge assemblies and rail assemblies are, are bolted to the mainframe with other bolts that actually have to be torqued. When they were doing the inspections to make sure these four bolts were installed, they checked these bolts and they're finding that those bolts are loose as well. <laughs> so they didn't torque spec anything down no it appears not and um in fact the one that um on this alaskan air it, it was actually missing uh the assembly as well so not only did it have the four <laughs> bolts but it lost an assembly so there's there's that issue as well and so i guess and the, the, yep. the the newest news to this subject is that the 737-900ER has the same problem yeah, it's an older. Yeah, it's it. it they used mm -hmm. uh, the same plugs, uh, the, those plug doors, uh, in in this model as well. Yep, same and mechanism. They, they yep. figured out that they've got the same problem. And guess what? They found the loose bolts. Who would have thought? Yeah. Um. So then we we've got to start to look at, and this is you know where you can start to draw all the conspiracies and how we get to this part and what's actually going on, and so how how can this happen well there, there is a, a, gaz a gazillion ways it can happen um but just as a, a rough outline of how this all fits together in 2005 boeing spun off another company called spirit aero systems and they're in wichita kansas and these guys what they do is they make the fuselages and the doors and what have you and then they rail these fuselages um up to seattle or washington and then boeing then take over and are responsible for outfitting it um with all the stuff inside and the electronics and blah 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 and the plug doors aren't actually put on at um at spirit aero systems they're actually put inside the fuselage when they're shipped and and the and boeing is are the ones that need to put the plug doors back in and the reason they don't put them in is because they need access to the plane when they're putting in all the, all their systems so there's no point putting it in taking it off and put it back again type thing um <clears throat> and then when, once they do 
um, put everything in and it's all done. It's actually, the, the hull is pressurised to one and a half times of its uh, its maximum pressure that it's going to um, be exposed to on the ground to make sure everything seals, etc., etc. So it even um, passed that, but uh, it just goes to show that our, our, our um, cross-checks still don't even find all the problems. Um, but the... The, the problem with um, aerospace is they've had lots of issues in in releasing what they call or is called escapement escapements, and what that means is they have quality control um, procedures, and you have to um, pass checks for these quality control procedures. <clears throat> And then once it gets ticked off, it, it leaves the factory and goes up to Boeing. But then Boeing, when they get it, they do some checks and they find things that ha- haven't actually passed but were signed off, and that's called an escapement. And so Spirit, uh, Spirit uh, Aerospace has had a, a litany of these, <clears throat> and it, it has gotten to the point where there's actually a class action lawsuit against Spirit Aerospace for how bad it is. And I went through the lawsuit and basically there's a few key points that I pulled out. Um, one is that they had obviously the, the, the MAX issue where it was grounded because of the MCAS system and then you had COVID. They had to lay off over 8,500 employees, uh, which was over half of their US Air Force, uh, 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 workforce, Air Force, workforce. And so they've lost a, a bunch of experience in both management and workers. Um, and they're not meeting their targets. And the, the CEO is pushing, or through down the chain, is pushing through um, substandard stuff to actually make their deliveries. And you've got the uh, product management and you've got the quality control management and both those uh, entities are fighting with each other. And what was happening is these dudes were in the quality control section were saying, here, this doesn't pass. They were feeding that back to the management. But then the production management would say back, well, no, you need to get another um, quality control inspector so that we can get this passed. So that's how... <laughs> what kind yeah. of crap is that? Yeah, and so that... that and this is documented, mate. This is in the lawsuit. This is for real. Like, and in the lawsuit, we've got two employees within this class action that are both quality control dudes, and they're they're outlining all these things that were were doing. And that was one of them. And and another one that was interesting, and this is a disaster waiting to happen. This this dude was doing. Um, the inspection, if you imagine the fuselage as a, a, a cigar tube and they put a big plug in the butt end, you know, to help hold the pressure, it's called, well, it's literally called a plug. Well, he's doing inspections on the plug at the arse end and he's seen these holes that were drilled that weren't supposed to be there. So he's inspected these holes and upon inspection of these holes that were misdrilled holes, he's found these other cracks and he's reported that back to, you know, through the system. And again, the management got together and he was then forced to um, pass the inspection so that the plane left. Now, these planes have gone out into the wild with these cracks in the butt plug. And if we lose our butt plug, then we lose a plane. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's, it's so that's, that holds the entire tail section on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... This, this particular dude, um, in the end, he wouldn't sign off on something, so they had to get other inspectors to pass it. But he wouldn't sign it and was causing a bit of a commotion, so he got sacked. He was silenced. <laughs> <coughs> and he, but he's part of this class action lawsuit now. He's coming out and talking about it. Yeah, and there's a couple more that are doing that as well within the in the in the system. So they've got some some major issues there. And another interesting thing. This whole security thing, like the FAA has engineers at Boeing to check the security while the planes <clears throat> are produced. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and those engineers get paid by Boeing. 
oh mate, I'll get on to the self-governance here a bit later, which is another whole disaster. But another, just finish off on this lawsuit, the, uh, another really huge red flag is the um, CEO in October 2023 entered into a separation agreement with Spirit. He was given his $1.3 million base salary and a, and a contract for $2,500. That's right, $2,500 an hour for consulting services in his separation. <coughs> and, and he was... <coughs> he, and Spirit also preserved his long-term um, stock options. So, you know, like the board members and CEOs, they get options and stocks. If they, if they meet their targets, they get given their stocks. And all this was valued um, roughly at the time at the stock price of about a million bucks. However, to get that little golden handshake, he had to sign um, – uh, a document that said he would not sue or hold any of Spirit employees liable and he would not make any disparaging statements about about Spirit Aer- um, Aeronautical or its products. Um, so basically he's taken some hush money and a month later, there's Sam Marnick, who's the head of commercial division, um, also <coughs> separated uh, from Spirit under the same the same deal, like had signed this document, got all this money, gone. And what's conspiratorial about this is um, back in February 2023, Spirit's SEC filings <coughs> stated there was no planned retirement of these two guys because they have to – and they were 58 and 52 years, nowhere near old, and they're nowhere near retirement, but all of a sudden they've retired. So why – you know, th- these guys were silenced and, and moved on for a reason – um, now, Bevo, can't that? But, but if that goes to court, can't they tell them that that's too bad that 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 you tried to silence these guys? If I we hope, tell them yeah, to I, talk, then and they choose to, then they have to. I would, I would say, you would think that's how it happens. But um, under oath, you would probably have to tell the truth. I'm, I'm guessing. I'm not a lawyer, but yeah, I, I would say this will come out. I mean, it's going to be a very interesting court case. Um, you know, some of the things I draw from this about Boeing um, spinning off Spirit, it's like Boeing used to do all this and then they made another company. A, it, it lines people's pockets, but also it gives Boeing um, someone to use as cannon fodder if shit goes wrong. And in this case, yeah. they're really yeah. coming down on Spirit, yeah? Like they're, they're almost hanging them out to dry um, and saying it's their fault and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, some of the stuff that, they're in this lawsuit that they're um, alluding to, you know, that are that are issues, you know, uh, mainframe problems, uh, substandard skins, substandard painting. Um, it just goes on and on and on and on. Um, it it just reeks, mate. Absolutely reeks of, you know, cover ups and what have you. And it's interesting that the CEO, the three years prior to his separation, his annual takeaway remuneration was over 10 million dollars a year oh man because he's based he's but as with most ceos they're based on you know output so he's he's just forcing shit through for numbers of fuselages and he's getting his 10 million but everything else is suffering along the way and uh and it doesn't sound like this is the last of it either (laughs) no i mean this we're in the early stages of this um court case so um I mean, we'll be watching that with with keen interest, but you know, it, it it's just one facet of it, mate. Like that, and, and another thing that happens between this, like the um, uh, reason why things go awry and we have these mishaps and accidents, <clears throat> is, and I don't know how we get to this point, but we are. The spirit have their own. Um, system for monitoring their quality control and it's a distant different system than what boeing uses and those two systems are incompatible they can't talk to each other so yeah great so what that means is when spirit sent an air <coughs> sent an airframe up to boeing 
they've passed their they've done their quality control, control checks and said it yeah pass check a you know one two three four five for example it gets to boeing and then boeing do their quality control checks to double check i guess and it failed some well those two systems aren't talking to each other and that the boeing system isn't feeding back to the um, spirit system to say there's a problem here so that spirit can then look at that and go well there's a problem we need to fix it they think everything so they never e- they never even know about it yeah well they do know but, some of it but yeah um because but with the door uh, can it be that um spirit uh, delivered the hull like it is with the doors but as boeing has to do uh, their safety checks anyway uh <coughs> Or maybe replace these plug doors with uh, real doors. They they leave it with loose uh, bolts, uh, and yeah. and Boeing simply said like, okay, they they've got plug doors and everything is fine. Let's keep it this way. Yeah, I I actually just mentioned that before, Ralph. The the fuselages from Spirit are railed up to Boeing with the plug doors inside the actual airframe because Boeing would have to take them off to, you know, fit it out. So they, they, they ship with them unfitted. But the, the – and so ultimately Boeing are responsible for this because they were the last ones um, to actually deal with those doors. But regardless of whether Spirit had put the doors in or not, it is incumbent upon Boeing, it's part of the rules, that they have to certify this aircraft – airworthiness and it's safe to fly they've got to pass all their checks that's, so that's for sure but uh, as you said uh, that there was uh, ill communication or lack of communication uh, maybe this slipped through because boeing didn't like like with all the other things they they don't really care it has to look like <coughs> a plane and that's okay yeah it might it's it's systemic for sure it's it's outrageous and so then that leads me on to um the faa wow um, <laughs> dude, funny that it's another three-letter agency. Um, it so the FAA, as we know, are the regulatory body for all of our aircraft, um, and where the public are relying on these guys to make us feel safe when we get in a plane. Now, as far back as like twenty ten to twenty fourteen, I think was the era they started. What was happening is that the FAA was relinquishing some of the quality control and airworthiness certifications back to Boeing. So it's self-governance. It's, it's self-regulation. It's like putting the, the fox in charge of the hen house. And how this came about is that you had your lobbyists from the uh, airline industry up into Congress pushing for this to happen because the FAA are moving too slow and rightly they should move slow because they're, they're doing things methodically and looking after our safety. Yeah, oh, shit. But it's, it's going too slow for the industrial machine. They need shit to go quick because they got to turn this shit over and make a profit, yeah? And so it's slowly, as in most things with governments, been chipping away, chip, 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 and, and more and more um, of these things have been passed back to Boeing to the point they think now or not think they're now saying that it's that it's gone too far that it's not easy or wouldn't be easy for the FAA to take control of this back because they've they've lost over the last over the last decade or so they've lost all the expertise and staff to actually do this um, and my I was reading documents from back in 2014 uh, that the pilot union was kicking up a huge stink back in 2014 about this and here we are a decade later and it's coming home to roost that exact thing the self-regulation shouldn't happen and what annoys me even more is that the faa all they do is throw shit at boeing but ultimately in my opinion it's their fault they're the ones that let it slip out of their hands they're ultimately responsible and and they let this they let this happen uh, they left uh, Boeing engineers to check their safety standards. Yeah. They left it to them. Self-governance, mate. Self-governance. And then what happens? We get uh, um, greed and and the board's remuneration um, packages um, take precedence over quality and, and yeah, ultimately... Yeah, profit over safety. Yeah. It's, it's 
it's an absolute disgrace. I mean, and mate, I'm telling you now, if you own Boeing shares, fucking sell them. I mean, I see nothing, yeah, but, this, uh... nothing but downside for these guys. The, um, interesting note, they have not made a profit since 2018. And yeah, that's that's why their <coughs> bonuses are not connected to uh, earnings, but to sales. Yeah, yeah. They haven't made a profit since 2018, and the main reason for that is, obviously, they had the... Um, the MCAS failures of those two planes and COVID. Um, they'd actually sold, they've sold 6,000 um, maxes and only made about 1,800. So they're 4,000 behind schedule, 4,000 planes. And last year, the CEO came out and said that they are going to ramp up production to 50 a month and that will put them into profit. Okay, so this is from the how many are they? How many do they average a month now? Oh fuck all! Because they keep getting stopped and they're they're ramping up, um, and you know they've been grounded again because of this last plug door incident. But I've got some numbers. Uh, they they uh, do thirty eight at the moment, and they wanted from February on uh, do forty two. And then uh, mm. till autumn uh, 2025, they want to do to do uh, 57 uh, planes a month. Yeah, <laughs> and because because of this F, because of this plug door um, disaster, um, what the you know the FAA now are beating their chest and saying, "Look at me! Look how much we can do to save all you people." They're really coming out after that. We've you know nearly just destroyed a shitload of people's lives. They <coughs> have come down really, really hard as they should on Boeing, and what they it was this was just uh, on the twenty sixth, so three days ago. Um, the FAA issued a notice and said that you now are capped at thirty eight planes a month in, for the foreseeable future because we think that that is at this point in time all you are capable of of producing safely. Um, and yet we have the CEO saying they need 50 to be profitable. What does that say? I wonder how that's going to go. Yeah. So what's that going to do to your profit? We need, he, you know, we need 50, but now they've got a hard cap at 38. So they're screwed. Um, I, I, dude, like just from a layman, and that's all I am, the whole thing this needs to be scrapped, mate. I mean, the, the 737s had that many problems. Um, and it's it's problems not just within Boeing, but Spirit, who make your fuselages and 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 the like. It's there's just it, it's it's disgraceful. It the the whole thing and is what disgraceful. Was, what was some of the airlines' responses that are using those particular models? Well, there's in the states you've got the um, United CEO. He came out in the last couple of weeks, and he's um, considering. I don't know the outcome yet, but he's considering cancelling all the orders of the of, of seven three seven Max, and the Alaskan Air CEO, um, he's also in the last week or two has come out and he's uh, reconsidering his strategy of becoming an all Boeing fleet. So there are two two major airlines, mate, that have come out. You know, and I is probably going to be more, um, but you know, and that that's got to be driven from the consumer, like just. Myself, when I book, uh, now I might be too cautious, I don't know, but when I'm booking flights, if it's a 737 MAX, I don't book that flight. I just don't do it. I just refuse to do it. doesn't stop them from changing the plane out when you get there because, you know, they had to swap the plane out, which kind of sucks. But, um, yeah. I I think you're not the only one who's going to start doing that, though. Yeah. You, you You cannot stop the 737. I mean, uh, even I mean, it's too it's too important for Boeing and so too important for the American economy. Yeah. If if you stop the seven three seven, then it's game over for Boeing. Absolutely, they got four thousand planes in the queue in the rack, mate, ready to me, that have to be made. Now the other thing is, you got to consider uh, from our point of view as the traveller. If these airlines do actually bail on the 737 MAX and go across to 
Airbus, for example, or any, any manufacturer, they have to get the back of the queue. That means they're way, way down the list. That means they have to continue using their current aircraft way, way longer than what was originally planned. Now, does that then increase a risk to our safety because they're using older aircraft? Um, who knows? But it, what it is going to do is because the airlines are using outdated um, inefficient aircraft, they're going to be losing even more money, stock price down, more pressure on that. I mean, it's just all the incentives, like you said, Ralph, all the incentives are there for us to continue using the 737 MAX and that program. What At what point does, and I don't think we ever get to there, but at what point does somebody come in whether the government in this case and say we don't care we're just going to have to print a shitload of money give it to you to get you out of this but you've got to stop making these and start a new plane a new from the ground up we can't continue it, this program this point will come you like think? you it's just a question like you said it's just a question how many planes have to crash yeah there's a thing in the in the air in the aviation industry it's called the tombstone effect and what that means is how many people have to die before we do something so example this is a classic example is the the first plane that the mcas disaster that killed all those people they weren't the, the planes weren't grounded right we lost arbitrary there was 350 between the two i can't remember how many on each plane but arbitrary figures say it was 150 on the first one Ah, oh, well, shit, that's, that's a lot of people, but we can keep flying, it's okay. But then you get your second one, and it's now 350 people in total. That's reached their tombstone effect. Okay, now we've got to stop. So it, it's the tombstone effect that will probably trigger this, Ralph. Um, where they For sure. It, those <coughs> planes are not safe. No. They are not safe. No. They put lipstick on a pig, mate, is what they did. They designed this just to get the order way back when, in 2011, just to get the order from American Airlines, 100 aircraft. This, this, this all stems from that. And then you add on all the layers along the, along the in the last decade, you know, with the FAA's decreased involvement in, in certifying these aircraft, um, the increased remuneration for the, for the, um, for the management, um, all those things that I've sort of discussed in the previous, you know, hour here, it all sort of add up. And I'm just scratching the surface here. Like, yeah, um, we, we did not even talk about the tools and the wrecks. No. And if you think, okay, what I'm going to do here is um, I'm just not going to fly on Boeing and get on an Airbus. Well, good luck with that. Um, they too have their problems. And I've got a, a, an example of this. It was a Qantas uh, flight from Singapore to Perth. Now, Qantas is um, one of the only airlines in the world that hasn't crashed. It's got an extremely good um, safety record. And one of the reasons they do have that is their pilots are some of the best in the world and they traditionally hire um, ex-military pilots which, which have amazing training. And both American and, and British and uh, Australian um, ex-military pilots are, are predominantly what, what they are. And this Airbus was on its way back, and it there was two different flights that happened, and I, I haven't got a whole lot of information of where that, when they rectified it and, and how that was done, but I know they didn't ground flights. But what happened was the plane, um, the automatic system took over the plane and started to plummet the plane. And a bit like the MCAS system, very, very similar. The, the pilot, um, I watched an interview with him, he said it just went into a dive because it thought it was stalling and then it got an overspeed and it had an overspeed warning um, at the same time, which you can't have because overspeed and stall don't exist together. You, you have the lift that you need. So the system went haywire and actually, and I've seen photos of it, it was that violent, it actually threw people through the deckhead of the plane. There was actually holes in the ceiling, like people's heads were rammed through the plastic. Um, there was broken backs, broken legs. Um, you know, there was one lady had her ankle, was facing 180 degrees. And, yeah, the, the, um, 
<clears throat> the damage was there was over a hundred injured and some critical. And this is on an Airbus um, with the safest airline in the world, and the only thing that really saved them and he, apparently is a pilot. He's actually an American Air Force pilot. He was an F-14 pilot, and back in the day, he got a exchange program to uh, fly. Um, the Mirage jets in the Australian Air Force and he liked it so much he stayed and then eventually got out of the Air Force and he joined Qantas and blah, blah, blah. But they reckon this guy was as cool as a cucumber and uh, he's got this plane plummeting in the ground. He recovered it, worked out what was going on and then he landed um, the plane. There was an an airstrip on the west coast. It was actually an Air Force airstrip um, in the northwest of Australia on his way back down to Perth and he diverted and landed the plane there and got it on the ground. Then they got the, uh, you know, everybody um, in, the, in the flying doctor's planes and got them back to Perth and got them treated. But this guy saved saved the day. And that's on an Airbus, mate. So, you know, and that was an A320. So we're not safe. Uh, you why, know. why I mentioned tools and wrecks is because uh, if you Google uh, tools found in Boeing planes, <laughs> you will be surprised. Yeah, there's. It, the, it uh, says everything about their safety standards. Oh, it's, it's disgraceful, mate. Like, um, you know, another another series that had some problems early on was the 800 series, and I've flown many times on the 800 uh, Dreamliner. Beautiful plane to fly on. It's awesome, but they had an issue of a spate of fires. Um, you know, again, but they sorted that out before there was any disasters. And there was one uh, one report I read. In the tail, there's a thing called the jack screw, and that's what, um, you know, the, the flap on the back of the tail that goes up and down, it, it does your trim. They call that the jack screw. It's just a big um, big screw that that spins and that moves you, mechanically moves your tail up and down. Well, they were doing maintenance at Boeing, and some turkey left his ladder in, the, in, that, <laughs> in that compartment. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Like I said, Google for tools in oh, Boeing planes. It's yeah. a joke. And so, you know, when a, and there's been a few incidents over the years where the nut has come off a jack screw and, and once that happens, you can't control the plane and they crash or the jack screw will break and the plane crashes. This turkey left his fucking ladder in there, mate, and then gave it back to the customer. So here's the pilot. He's flying along and then all of a sudden his jack screw gets jammed because the ladder's caught in it, you know? Like, what the hell? It's, you know... Um, so many things. Like I said, I probably shouldn't read a whole lot of this because I'm, I'm it's getting harder and harder to get on a plane. But yeah, I just wanted to bring those those things to the top, I guess, um, t- to put in people's minds. It's it's a big machine. Um, there's corruption. There's cover-ups. You know, from you know, with inside the company, the FAA, and even Congress, mate. Um, you know, forcing the FAA to to reduce their involvement so their boys, you know. It's it's it get new and it probably gets back to that revolving um, politics. I don't know whether any of these guys actually get on, get into the FAA and then end up back at you know working on. The, I the, wouldn't doubt it. I'm sure if we looked, sure, we'd find yeah. it. Yeah, I didn't go down that rabbit hole, but I'm sure it's there. I mean, but I guess something that big and that entwined with the government and and the country, it, it it's gotta it's gotta be like this because that's how it functions. Or doesn't function one of the two, but yeah, I don't know. You got any? You got anything you want to add to that? Like any questions I might be able to answer for you? New one, Ralph? No, no. I was trying to think of what we could leave off on here. I guess you know your um, strategy of looking at the plane as you're actually making you know your plans is a good one. But as you said, if they start doing groundings on some of these, or they stop production on anything. It's going to cause everybody to use this, you know, older planes for longer, and that is going to start creating issues. Also, this is quite a tangle on this one because, unlike our other shows where we actually have something to offer our listeners to say, "Hey, this might be a good strategy here," this one's not as easy. I'm not finding a really good strategy on this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, statistically. Flying is safe. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. All right. Well, we got that much anyway. <laughs> that's yeah. all you can take. I mean, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's about it. Yes. But but statistics says like one out of four people in the world is Chinese, and I don't know how many Chinese people we've got in the audience. <laughs> yeah. 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 True. <clears throat> I mean, 
we've all heard that before, you know, statistically it's a safer mode of transport. That's all well and good, but it could be safer, yeah? I mean, because when there's something that goes wrong at 38,000 feet, you know, a shitload of people die in one hit. And, you know, as we've seen um, just with the latest plug door incident and the MCAS system, it was totally avoidable. And it was nothing but cover-ups, production and greed that caused it. Nothing more than. Yeah, you know, that's a... That's a really good way of looking at that, actually. I mean, statistically, yeah, it might be less accidents per capita with plane than there is, say, with cars. But on planes, there's probably a hell of a lot more fatality rates than there is with the average car wreck. Mm, mm, yeah. No, it's, um, it's just something to bear in mind. Um, for me, if I'm, if I'm going to book a flight and I've got an option of booking a flight that's a 737 MAX, and one that's maybe an A320 because they've got a better record. Um, I'm going to go with the A320 just because I can get from A to B, you know, using, in my opinion, something that's that's probably safer and is not in as big a mess as what Boeing is. Um, yeah, you know, that's a good way to leave it, actually. I mean, I guess you can probably just go online and search, you know, which plane models have some of the better records compared to the other ones. Yeah, I'm sure somebody's done a comparison with that. Yeah, and I mean, and check the uh, safety uh, of the airline. Yeah, there are always rankings yeah. because uh, with the Lion Air flight, uh, the first crash because of the MCAS, um, the co-pilot uh, was uh, evaluated incompetent. Yeah, they yeah. knew at the airline that this co-pilot is incompetent. And yeah. I think Boeing knew it too. That's why it was so easy to blame the, the yeah. cockpit. Yeah. And the industry, to be fair, the industry <coughs> does monitor that and they do ban certain airlines if, if, they go, if they're really, really bad. Um, for example, Garuda Airlines out of Indonesia back in the day, you know, a dozen or so years ago, uh, they were banned from flying in Europe and Australia um, because they were so shit. Like, they, they used to do a, a run between um, Indonesia and, and Perth. It was one of their major routes all the time. And, like, for an example, um, this one plane, this Karita plane, um, he missed the Perth airport by something like 100 miles. He's like, where's the airport? Like, he's, he's, coming, <laughs> he's coming into land and he was 100 miles away. And, and when you're flying... And I forget which which um, altitude does what, but they they fly arbitrarily. They fly west at say even, and they'll fly east at odd. So if you're at thirty eight thousand feet, you've got to be flying one direction. If you're an odd number, you've got to be flying the other direction. Well, not only was he a hundred miles from the Perth airport, heading east, he was at the wrong altitude. He was at an odd altitude instead of an even oh, altitude. Shit. Like that's head-on material, you know, from planes coming yeah. from Sydney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, they got banned, and then they but, had they got their certifications back, but it was a couple of years. So yeah. Did they, they have the one-hour iPad video also? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think they actually have iPads, mate. They just uh, still using. Yeah. Yeah, but the real, real uh, death traps uh, when it comes to plane are the small planes. Mm. Like if you check there, the news like there's no day where it, not at least one crashes with with fatal results. Yeah. But and and you could probably blame that too a lot on the pilots. I mean, they're not getting the the level and quality of training that like a Qantas Air pilot, pilot um, Air Force pilot gets. You know, sitting in. Mm, multi-million dollar um simulators and etc etc these guys are just learning at their local airfield and what have you so i can sort of understand how that happens um yeah and and the instruments are very simple compared to a yeah. commercial well wouldn't it be good if we had an aircraft that um flew itself then would be safe yeah that was tongue-in-cheek call tesla I that, think that, that, that was I think you're on to something. <laughs> nah, that was tongue in cheek, mate, because this is what's I, caused I, all the crashes. <laughs> so I think far. they could do it. I mean, they use drones to bomb people. So, uh, but as a passenger, you feel probably better if you see that there's someone sitting. Well, I know, dude. When I hear when I get on a plane, and 
I hear the captain come on and I hear a British, American or Australian voice on a Qantas plane, I feel at ease. When I get on an Asian airline and I don't, and I don't hear that, I start to get nervous is all I'm saying. Um, Before we wrap up here, Bevo, didn't I just saw something? Wasn't there like a diversity hire uh, article that came out recently also? I did hear that, dude. I hope that's not true. I haven't read anything about that, but Jesus wept. Um, That's that's all we need, yeah? Um, Diversity hire for for a pilot because that's what you want. Yeah. That, that's the last that's the last type of job that you would want that to have to be implemented in yeah well here, here's another little interesting story um singapore airlines one of the premier airlines in the world yeah um their pilots generally are tra- trained down in australia and um i know a guy that actually does some of this training down there for these guys and to become an airline pilot you know, particularly in Australia for Qantas, it's hard yards. It's really, it's not easy. It's hard and you really have to, to, to get to the end, you really have to want to do it, have to be a passion, blah, blah, blah. What what has been fed back to me is, you know, a lot of the um, pilots that go down for training, it's a, it's a status thing. Their families are rich and they can afford to send them off to pilot school, et cetera, et cetera. And these guys necessarily don't have the passion or the real want to do the job they're just sort of being put in it and so that there um also you know is one of the reasons why some of these airlines around the world um don't have as good a record is because the pilots and i know this also happens in the middle east um as well these pilots are prestige jobs and so it's jobs for the boys type thing you know they just get put into those yeah. jobs and and do the train they haven't you know it wasn't a passion from when they were four years old and and crawled their way, th- you know, through the through the ranks to get to where they were. So that that's another issue, but you know, I don't think there's a whole lot you can do about that. Anyway, that's about it from me. You got anything else, Ralph? New one? No, I'm good. Hmm. No, I enjoyed the flight as well. Yeah, thanks. I <laughs> enjoyed the flight. <laughs> Please put your uh, trays back in the upright position. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and come in for landing. So, as always, thanks to everybody in the audience for for popping in. I hope we didn't bore you with our with our ravings, and we realise your time's um, valuable. So, we highly appreciate it. And t- again, to all those in in on the podcast apps that will listen to us in the future, thanks. And if we're lucky enough, you'll be here again next week. So that's it from us, and bye for now. <laughs>